Hello. Hi, it's Keith. Oh, hi, Keith. Hi. Are you busy? Uh, am I busy? Yeah. No, I've just been laying around here. Uh, I just got to find a place to sit down. Uh, yeah, I think I'll pick the phone up. Yeah, uh, I've had some kind of a little rough uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't know if you'd be home or what was going on exactly, but I thought oh, I'd yeah. give you a call. Oh, well, yeah. I'm home now, and I'm home for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of eerie. I was watching WrestleMania at uh, at a movie theater, like on the big screen, and right before I left, like there's internet in the theater, so I just used my little phone to check my email, and I got an email from Dad, which I mean, you know, I never get emails from him, maybe twice a year or something, and it just said Mom. And I'm like, oh Jesus, <laughs> like this is just creepy. Like what is this? And then That's he mentioned all it said. It didn't say oh, anything then, about Mom. Oh, and then that was the subject, and then I opened it up and. Oh. Yeah, he said you were in the, that you had to get a hernia operation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that I was like, "Whoa!" That I went through five weeks ago. Right. I, yep, I, came I assumed. Back to haunt me. Yeah, I figured it must have something to do with that. So they did some surgery, and I've got a little slice and dice there going on from my belly button up to about, well, probably halfway up my chest. So uh, it seems kind of so it's yeah, it just seems kind of like weird too that you were already at the hospital and they did a bunch of tests and I'm guessing whatever the problem was like they didn't find it until no they knew it they knew that they, they knew it was there this this hernia thing um, but it settled itself down and so they had given me um, I was supposed to make an appointment to go and talk to a surgeon to see what would be going on whether I would need it or not or and all that crap and then over Christmas over um, Christmas Easter, uh, Easter Saturday, Neil and I went to have a meal, and when God didn't even get out of the car, out of the car, and started throwing up again. Oh. What had happened is the hernia had moved up. Well, actually, part of my stomach had moved up above where it should have been into my rib cage, and uh, uh, then it twisted, so it couldn't go back down into the stomach cavity where it was supposed to. Right. So I just kind of laid in there for a couple of days trying to find a little spot of how to, you know, it was just kind of like laying under my rib cage. And so I was up there and they gave me all the intravenous and all the stuff that they would need to do. And, and then the surgeon came in and he drew it out for me and he said, uh, the edges of your stomach, if you didn't deal with it, would start necrotizing. Oh, geez. And they'd have to staple that off. And he said, you know, eventually it could be life-threatening. So he said, you really need to have surgery. I said, all right, let's get her done. So so in that sense, in you know, there was no procrastinating, no thinking about it, no reading about it, nothing. Just get her done. Yeah. So I now have it done. So, yeah, what was, uh, what was like, I guess this was, uh, like, you have to be put under type surgery and then... Oh, yeah, yeah big so. time. In fact, I was in the hospital until just about three days ago. So how long was so, that, like... That, how, how long, well, I was in there 11 full days. Jesus, yeah, that's a long fucking time. Holy crap. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a major, uh, it's a major, uh, major operation. Damn. And what did you say, like, how, do you have, like, a scar now, a big scar? Uh, well, I still got the, uh, well, they took the, st- the staples out. I had about probably 15 of these great big staples that were in there that they've taken out, and so I'm kind of taped together until that heals over. But, yeah, I'll have a... A nice straight scar. My bikini days are over. <laughs> is it like uh, like when people get like uh, like heart attack scars, like that type of thing? I guess it's something probably similar. Yes, although 
heart attack scars. Uh, apparently, they break your ribs to get at your heart. Oh, yes, I guess that's worse. <laughs> yeah. So this, this, there was none of that. It was just a, a matter of doing the slice and then, and then pushing my stomach back down to where it should be. Let me see how he, if I can explain it to you. The drawing was excellent. Okay, so let's say you take take the core part of your body, draw a line halfway through it, rib cage uh, at the top, okay, take right. stomach below. Um, in my case, what happened is that the little uh, there's like a little flap that is at the top of your stomach between your esophagus and your stomach that kind of controls the gas and things going into your stomach. Right. Well, apparently that had deteriorated, so that now the stomach, two thirds of it, had pushed up above that line. So it was now like under my rib cage and not not below where it should have been. And whatever it was, it had obviously been kind of, I had no symptoms. I felt fine until the day I ate that meal. And then uh, the meal was quite a creamy um, get, uh, meal. Anyway, they, it, couldn't, it couldn't go anywhere. It just laid in this, like, this cavity underneath my rib cage. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's basically what they did is after they did the surgery, they pushed it all back down and, and repaired that little, that little valve that, that is at the top of your stomach. So it sounds kind of like what you were saying before about diet and stuff. Like you were on the right course, but your diet would have to be just to not eat food anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, because this apparently this hernia was quite a bit bigger than what, see, originally when they, well, when they checked it out, uh, Five weeks ago, it had gotten quite a bit bigger just since then. Man. So I guess and it's... Man, some shit that they were doing, like they at one point they said they kind of had to kind of see what they could do to kind of clean it up before they went in and did the surgery. So they, they uh, God, if you ever have to have your stomach pumped, Jesus Christ, oh. They took, a, they take a tube and they push it up through your nostril. Uh-huh. It has to go down through your nostril. This is already and bad. And into your throat. <laughs> right. And you're awake when they do it. Uh, because they uh, they don't want it to miss uh, and go into the lung. Well, mine wouldn't go through. They tried it and tried it. Oh, God almighty, what a horrible, horrible experience. So at one point, they almost had it in on the left nostril, and I just kind of oh, yanked her right up. <laughs> Couldn't take it. Oh, man. So uh, does this mean, though, uh, that, like, does the... is are you like fixed now though like <laughs> presumably i'm i'm fixed uh i'll have to i'm going back to see the surgeon in about uh, five or six weeks because i've got this drainage tube in there that they have to remove um but yes and, and then he'll he'll tell me then but presumably yes it has fixed it the hernia is fixed man so i guess it's like this is obviously a crappy thing to go through but i i guess there's always that side of it that uh you know it could have gone longer or could have gone worse at least it's at least it's yeah, fixed now could have gone worse and i could have been in this uh, you know will i will i won't i kind of thing well that decision was taken away so man so i mean being in the hospital for 11 days like how, like were you even so was it like where you couldn't even stand up like you were just oh no they got they got me up right away i was uh i wasn't they didn't waste any time like getting you on your feet and making you walk around because apparently if you don't, you lay around, you'll, you, there's a good tendency that you'll get pneumonia. Hmm. So, and I actually did get a lung infection, which was part of the reason I was there for a few extra days. Get a bit of a cough, but that's kind of clearing itself up now. Man, that's just another thing that I guess is nice about Canadian uh, 
hospitals like that just seems like a very long time to be in the hospital it's nice that you know we're afforded such things i guess yeah well after i had it i had it on um i did it on a monday it was a whole week went by there was no even not even any consideration of me going home and then then the surgeon came in one day and said uh uh you know did i want to did i feel like i wanted to go home i said you know what no i feel like a piece of crap and that's because I was starting to get this lung infection. So I was on oxygen off and on all week, and occasionally I'd be rolling around with an IV pole, and other days I'd be not rolling around with it. <laughs> anyway, it was a quite an experience. So now I'm taking off a couple of weeks off work and just hanging around the house. And so that's what I've been up to. <laughs> well... <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those stories, like, it's just like, yeah, I don't know, it's like, what do you even say about when people are in the hospital? It's like, it's, it's good that it wasn't worse, but it sounded pretty bad, you know, so. Well, I got flowers up the yin-yang, holy Moses, you people that gave me, I got, this house is full of flowers, it looks like a funeral thing. <laughs> anyway, I keep saying, like, like I always say to people, you know, when I'm dead, don't send me flowers. If you can't bother sending it when you're alive, when I'm alive, just don't bother. Well... Somebody must have listened because I have got four big bouquets and two or three little deeny, weeny ones. Yeah, that's weird to think of. It's like you could pretend this is like a wake, <laughs> but you just get to see it beforehand. You're like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. pretty nice. <laughs> well, it kind of surprised me to see all these flowers come floating in from all over the place. Yeah, it's a weird thing too where I guess it's just like our weird little, weird little worlds that we're in where, you know, I'm... Uh, you know, I've just got my weird, crappy, prepaid cell phone, and you don't have a phone at all <laughs> of that kind or whatever. So I'm just like, well, I guess I'll just call next week and see if everything's okay. <laughs> I guess theoretically, maybe I could have called the hospital. I didn't really think about it till just now. But well, I, I didn't have a phone hooked up there anyway because right. I figured, well, I'm in there to, I'm in there to recuperate. Yeah, I was thinking if I did drag you. I dragged you to a phone in the hospital. I mean, I'd just say the same stuff I'm saying now. So, yeah. <laughs> and Neil spent a lot of time up there. Um, so you probably, yeah, you always could have called him on his cell phone, but. Yeah, I guess that didn't even occur to me either. Man, that's weird. It's just, I guess it's like little moments like this where, you know, I'm just like, man, I really am fucking far away. I'm just way yeah. out west and stuff happens and I'm just like, well, I hope it's okay. But it is, so that's good. Yep, it is. It's a, uh, uh, yep, I'm on the mend. I went down to work today, though. I, did. I was only there for, I, I, I might have been there an hour. I don't think I was there that long, but oh my good God, talk about drag yourself out. Like, I just came home here and had to lay down. <laughs> like, it's amazing how, like, you get up and you say, oh yeah, I feel pretty good today. But it takes no time at all to wear yourself out. Yeah, when your body is just like, nope, <laughs> like not right now. And see, I noticed that in the hospital. I'd get up and, and I'd walk. Uh, I'd walk around the, the little circle there that they had by the nurse's station. And, you know, I'd go one round and then, mm, mm, I think I'll sit down here and watch TV for a minute and then get up again and go again. So it's not the kind of thing where you could just get up and run the marathon. I guess it's kind of like a little taste of like, you know, being really old. Like when you see people that are like 80 years old and they're, you know, walk, they, they, like the, they go to the mall and walk around, you know, early in the morning before anyone's there. And just like that they have to walk so slow. And it's like, man, that sucks. But I guess, 
I guess we're all going to be there someday. I mean, yeah. Well, if you're in pain, then you, you, you don't have any choice. Well, that's like and that. at one point, oh, man, I don't, there, was, there was a Saturday, like after I had this operation. Oh, man, I felt bad. It was like, it was like everything came, well, up to that point, I'd had this little, uh, this little automatic uh, painkiller that just automatically fed your body for the first week. Right. So, oh, yeah, you know, you feel pretty good. Uh, and then I had a catheter in, so you didn't have to worry about going to the bathroom because it's hard getting up, you know, kind of hurts your chest to get up. Right. So, oh, everybody was up visiting me on Friday, and oh, you look so great, you look so great. Well, on Saturday, they took all that shit away. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, hi, hi, jeez. And to get up to go to the bathroom, oh, my God, I've got to just force myself to roll out of this bed. And it's like the old get west. With it. The old west when they bite down on some leather, and just like, ah. yeah. <laughs> so, and Patty Pollock came to visit me. Oh, Barb, you look so terrible. Yeah, yeah thanks. <laughs> Yesterday, said, I looked great. <laughs> I said, why? Do, she said, but you look so good on Friday. Yeah, well, why do you think about it? Think about it. Something, Something's automatically taking care of your pain, and... You don't have to worry about going to the bathroom because that's all being taken care of too. You're just laying around. Sure, I feel great. <laughs> so that last week was a, was a was a bit on the rough side because of that. But um, there's a like that reminds me of um, the guy who sings for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He you know had all these drug problems and managed to kick them. But part of it is that he can't have painkillers anymore because any kind of drug can just send him back spiraling down. And I remember that was like one of the stories in his autobiography is he had to have some kind of surgery and yeah, just couldn't take any painkillers at all. And just like, holy shit. Or there's a a wrestler, this guy CM Punk, who had a concussion once and uh, just refused to take painkillers. He basically just had to have the, the willpower to just sit for like a week just sit and not move really at all <laughs> and it's just God. like holy crap yeah i mean pain painkillers are a very nice thing and there's always somebody who's so much worse off because the woman that was in the room with me she has she had some big lung thing and some other stuff and uh, other stuff i mean <laughs> and when i mean i was getting better but she didn't seem to be and i was like oh man like like think how bad I've got it like I don't have it anywhere near what she's got so I was feeling so bad for her one night they'd given me this big sheet that, that they had wrapped up into a real tight uh, uh, like almost like a pillow that you hold on your you held it against your stomach when you meant to move up so it create a pressure on it Right. I felt so bad for her one night I gave her my pillow <laughs> the next morning I was like oh shit I had given her that pillow well Jesus I can't go and I was going home in two days anyway I didn't know that but and I, damn, I wish I hadn't given her that pillow. Fuck. Anyway, I couldn't take it back at that point. Anyway, on this Saturday that I was feeling so rotten, um, now they decided to switch the rooms again. So they kicked me out of this ward, and they told me to walk down to the TV room. So I sat down, to t- went down to the TV room. Where do you want to sit? They told me, I said, well, listen, I better sit in this corner so that you won't, can't help but see me. And he sat me in the corner. I waited and waited and waited while they supposedly did up this room. Finally, this nurse is leaving, and she said, Oh, didn't they tell you your room was ready? I said, No, nobody's told me anything. So then uh, I, she said, I'll send somebody over. So I sat there a good another 10 minutes or so. Finally, I got up and went to the city. She's like, Where am I supposed to go? I'm like, no, they just left me there. Then I found out that the woman whose bed I was, we were switching, they had left her laying on the couch all afternoon back there. Man. So, 
Yeah, it's a weird thought, like, because, I mean, I mean, I've half-assed every job I ever had, and it's weird when you're in a place like a hospital or an airplane, and you're just thinking, like, these people are all doing that, too. <laughs> it's just really weird. I mean, I guess as long as it's just these, you know, nurses and stuff that are forgetting you, it's not, and it's not the surgeon. <laughs> I guess it's oh, not yeah, so bad. Oh, yeah, the but... surgeon's not forgetting. No, I can't find any fault with the surgeon at all. And, uh, you know, they, they, they rolled right in there on Easter Monday and, you know, did it right up. Because I think I saw him about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and by 6 o'clock, they were doing it. Well, on the plus side, I mean, I guess, granted, it's been... 11 days or whatever but you you know you sound good so that's good <laughs> oh yeah i'm not uh, i'm on the mend it, it's two weeks ago t today's monday right uh yeah two weeks ago today that i had it done so and it's kind of nice just laying around watching tv and get up occasionally and do some dishes and go on the computer every once in a while if i can make it up to the third floor well that's something i meant to ask you about it's not really on this topic but uh Man, this was like a month ago now, I guess. I meant to ask you about this ages ago. But uh, did you see there are these pictures that uh, somebody posted? You know that little Facebook group that's about like a smart family reunion? Are you part of that? Yeah, I haven't seen those Facebook pictures, but I've heard about them. Yeah, maybe I'll like email them to you and we'll blab about them some other time. But yeah, it's just kind of neat. Like there's one of, it's like uh, Pat on a motorcycle and I'm sitting on the back of the motorcycle, but I'm real little, like two years old or something. Yeah, it's just kind of oh. neat. And there's one, uh, okay. like, you and some of your siblings when you guys were, you know, 10, 12 or something with, uh, like, a toboggan in the snow. It's just kind of cool. Some neat pictures. All somebody said about that is somebody made a comment on one of those pictures, and they said something about... Oh, it was that Bill is standing backwards. So I think it was Angela's, like, I still don't know what this guy looks like. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's somebody that, that said that they... It's somebody else's kid. And they can't believe how much that kid looks like me. Oh, and, really? But it's, not, but, but it's not one of my kids. It's, uh, it's, uh, and I don't, I don't, uh, I, like I say, I never saw the picture. I just remember reading the comment where somebody said, I can't believe that, let's say it was, it was Allison or, or Angela or somebody like that, or Rachel or somebody, and I can't believe how much they look like Barb Smart, is what, they, what it says. Um, but I can because there's pictures out there of, uh, there's one of uh, Mary McAleenan getting um, it's her baptism. And Valerie is her godmother. And when I looked at the picture, I said, oh my, I wasn't at her baptism. I thought it was me. <laughs> and I, I, I wasn't at her. And Liz said, no, you weren't. But you're her godmother by proxy. I must have been teaching Chatham, I think, that time. But really, the picture itself it looks enough like me that I thought it was me, but it's Valerie. Yeah, I catch little moments like that, not that much, I guess, like not that I would think it wasn't me, but like just if I look in the mirror in a weird way, that I either see things from Dad or from Mark, like that where I'm like, oh, I do kind of look like those guys, <laughs> you know? I do kind of look like my brother and my dad, like I shouldn't be surprised or anything, but... Well, we smart, so I mean, we all look alike. Like, are, are we siblings? We denied it for years and years, but it's it's true. We all, not all of us, but some of them have stronger connections than others. Like people used to always meet me across town when I was in university, or meet me later, and they'd say that they saw me at a certain place. And I'd say, well, no, you didn't. I wasn't over there. I wasn't in that. Well, yes. Well, then there's somebody who looks exactly like you. And they, 
The only there either was somebody else in Fredericton who resembled me enough, or they were mistaking me for Janet, right? Who was in town about the same time. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's one of those things. Like, I don't when I visualize everybody, I'm like, I don't really see that. But I mean, I guess it's different if you know you know well, people. Well, the thing well. that is that is more odd, not so much that we physically resemble one another, but people say to me, um, I sound just like Denise. Right. Or I sound just like Valerie. I mean, I, I don't live with those people. Like, why would my voice sound like theirs? But it's amazing the people who are run into who say, or you sound just like Liz. I mean, I could see it if I hung out with them a lot or we... But but, but I don't see them all that often. Although definitely the, uh, the key... Um connection there is that those are all the people that don't live on Campobello. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Campobello well, too, people have a very distinct There's an intonation accent. that we probably have in our voice that we picked up as children. Right. And we've carried that forward. Yeah, I mean, I guess I definitely have that with, like, I mean, people thought I was dad plenty of times answering the phone at home back in the day. Yeah, then we knew that your father never answers the phone. <laughs> he answers his cell phone, but... <laughs> Well, he in doesn't. The, in he the wouldn't answer one days. of these hardline phones to save his soul. I mean, I don't really blame him. It's usually not anybody you want to talk to. <laughs> I know, but when I came home from the hospital, I said, uh, we should check that phone because, you know, they, the VON and that said they were going to, because they have to come in every couple of days and change this dressing on this thing. Right. So I said, you you got to answer that phone to see if there's any messages on it like that. He didn't have freaking clue how to, like, pick up the messages. I said, you know, it's just like down at work, star nine nine. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, what's the go? See, completely, just completely lost that now. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was neat too to see this weird picture that I didn't, you know, remember anything about when I was, you know, was like two years old or whatever. Because I think it's always interesting how, you know, that whole like nature versus nurture thing. Where uh, I mean, obviously, the way people are raised changes how they are, but like, it's so clear that that there's like an inherent kind of personality that people have because like I'm just sitting on this uh on this motorcycle this great big motorcycle I'm just this little kid but I've just got this kind of I don't know if sour look is the right thing just like a serious look on my face (laughs) and I was just thinking how like when I'm gazing out the window at a Tim Hortons and I'm just eating a bagel and not thinking about anything I probably have that same exact expression now you know like I was like yeah that's me all right well, you know they're having that reunion in August, I think it is. Yeah, is that, so that's this summer? This this yes. August? This I, August, I kind of yes. didn't really keep a much track of it. Are you going to go to the thing? Oh, I'll take a, I'll take a day trip down. I, I don't know if I'll... They want... It, it, and I might, I might rent one of those little cabins down at, down at Herring Cove. I'll have to see. Um, I'll have to see. Yeah, I'll double check that with the dates and stuff. I don't know. I mean, I hadn't really put a lot of thought into it either way. I mean, it, I don't know. It's one of those things I could just, I could, I could go or I could not go. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, I have no strong feelings either way. It would be kind well, of cool. Well, it's mostly, just, it's, it's oh. Angela and Angel who are, who are organizing it. And the reason they picked this summer, apparently, is if my father was alive, still alive, he would be 100 years old this December. Ooh, damn. And that's why they picked 2016. Right. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it'd be kind of cool. It is a long, it's a long trek, but uh, who knows? Who knows? We'll see. I've really found lately that uh, 
man, I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know, just making decisions like that. It's like, I don't know, I'm just not one of those people that just can make a decision right away. and like, yep, I'm going to do that or I'm not going to do that. Like, I just... I just kind of like to just let things happen and see what happens. Well, and that's how I'm, I'm kind of looking at it. I mean, I know they're, they're, they're organizing, but I'm not going to commit to anything right. like that. Um, uh, you know, a week or two ahead, I might say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll go down there. But whether I want to go for an entire weekend or whether I just want to uh, go down for the day, you know, I really don't want to pin myself down. Yeah, and I guess that's the only to a, trouble. To a is... definite, yes, this has got to be kind of thing. That's the only trouble, I guess, is that if I was going to uh, get a plane ticket and stuff, got to do it early, so it's not yeah, expensive. Yeah, you, you would. We'll see, though, maybe. This is not like I'm really doing my trend here. Man, I've actually been doing a thing lately because, uh, man, the weather has been so good here. It's crazy. Like, the last week has been like summer. Now it's a little bit back to normal, but uh, just crazy nice. But uh, And I heard Toronto had, like, huge snowstorms, like, the last two weekends in a row. <laughs> So. Yeah, they've, they get a little bit of a dump. Yeah. And, of course, the East Coast is... We haven't had it too bad. It's cold as anything over here, though, choices. But but uh, Nova Scotia got hit on the... Halifax got hit over the over the weekend. Man. Yeah, like, uh, when was this? Three days ago, I guess? I was in West Vancouver, which is the really rich neighborhood, but it's just kind of neat to go hang out there sometimes. And, uh... And I was down, like, on the beach. Like, everyone has beach property. Like, this is crazy, crazy... Um, you know affluent and uh it was real hot out and i was kind of tired so i just laid down on a big piece of driftwood and just like fell asleep for 20 minutes and meanwhile like toronto's got a blizzard <laughs> like shit i think i made the right call <laughs> like this is not bad but yeah, i've been doing a thing too now that it's all sunny and nice where uh i i took the light bulb out of the light socket in my room so when it gets dark i just have to go to sleep and then when it's sunny i have to wake up and it's amazing how much difference that one little thing makes just not staying up playing video games or whatever and just you know throwing myself all out of whack like like man when it gets dark it is so dark (laughs) it's like amazing how easy it is to forget that and so is the writing course finished yep yeah just finished uh a week and a half ago two weeks ago yeah, and uh, one of the people in the course was, like, kind of taking people's emails and, like, oh, we should all sort of try to keep hanging out or whatever. But, I don't know, I did not feel any particular um, connection to anybody there. So, I, I didn't. I was like, yeah, whatever. I haven't heard from anybody since. But it, it was kind of a cool thing, neat, neat little course to do. That's another thing I've been kind of thinking is... um like it's just it really is tough to be self-motivated and just keep yourself working on things by yourself or whatever and i was thinking like i think that's a a big reason why people like taking classes and going to courses and it's just that structure like you just have to do it like there's no choice like well i gotta go to school you know or or like when i told people about this course i'd be like yeah it was kind of fun i really didn't learn anything and like pretty much everybody I talk to, all the kids from the copy shop that are, you know, in school full time, they're like, yep, that's what school is. Like everyone just kind of accepts that it's not really about learning anything. It seems like it's just about having some structure in your life because people just don't yeah, have to do it Yeah, and have a little bit of connection with, with each other right. through that source. So one thing I've been doing lately that it just, it's a very small version of that, but it's kind of neat is is uh just based on the weather if it's a sunny day then i go outside and go somewhere and i do writing on sunny days but if it's a cloudy day then i'm like all right now i'll use my laptop and edit some things or whatever (laughs) like just to just to so i don't have to make that choice and and it's like 
And it's sort of, I guess, realizing how nice that feels. Like, oh, I don't have to self-direct myself every single day. It's like a little bit decided. And I suddenly realized, like, whoa, I bet that's why so much of what goes on in society goes on. Like, just having jobs and having schools and just... Just so you don't have to decide for yourself, <laughs> you know? You just have a place to go or have a thing to do. But it only works now because it actually is sunny sometimes, so that's nice. <laughs> it's not cloudy every day. But in general, yeah, I'm definitely kind of just in flux, not really doing much at present. So no plans? No, I, I was talking to a guy who was just doing fundraising for... Uh, Doctors Without Borders, and he was like, yeah, you could do this, like, you know, no problem, like, you could be one of these people like I am that uh, tries to get donations. And I actually kind of considered it because most of the time when those people stop you on the street, it's just for something that I don't give a shit about or it's really annoying. But Doctors Without Borders is really cool. Like, the more I read about those guys, like, it's crazy the stuff they do. Like, they're in all these really difficult countries and they manage to circumvent all these terrible governments and set up hospitals for people and it's pretty great what they do but i don't really think i want to be the guy at the mall that's just standing there bugging people for donations but i mean it's kind of neat like just like yeah there's jobs there's always jobs anyone who doesn't like can't find a job is they're really not looking hard enough like that just happened because i was walking down the hall at the mall (laughs) you know and like i got the like because i was like yeah maybe i gave him my information and then i got the follow-up like email from them to go through the thing but but i really i don't really want to do that so yeah no i guess uh, that's it i haven't really got much to report just thought i'd check and see how things were with you and i'm glad that you're doing better yeah me too i wouldn't wish this on my well i might wish it on my worst enemy no i wouldn't Okay. Luckily, freaking miserable. Yeah, luckily there's no need because it'll probably everybody goes through some kind of weird surgery or something eventually. So yeah, and see, I've uh, I've never been uh, I've been very fortunate in my life. I've never had anything like this ever happen to me before. Like not even a an appendicitis like you. Uh, right. Like uh, yeah, like I've really never had anything. So I've been extremely lucky. But I guess when I decide to do it, though, I don't do it by half doses. Yeah, because, I mean, like, for mine, I mean, I was out of the hospital, you know, I think the next day after the surgery, and then I was stopped taking painkillers after, like, three days. It wasn't, it was, it was about half as bad, <laughs> if even, maybe less than half. Man, well, I, and see, I, I can't drive a car for six weeks, and uh, the nurses will come in there for probably for another, well, it'll be six weeks before they take this drain out. That's kind of a bit of a pain in the ass. Like, like they showed me how to do it, and I've been really successful like like you have to slush it out right but anyway tonight i don't know what the hell happened with it all backed up and the crap came off over the couch <laughs> jesus so is this like is it uh, like what what exactly is it it's like it's like a little it's like a little well i don't know inside apparently there's a little balloon like it's like this it's this tube that comes out of my upper part of my stomach i guess and uh, it has an airlock or an air, I don't know what it's got. I don't actually know what it does. But every day you have to, uh, twice a day, you've got to take out this little plug that's in the end of it, and you have to flush it with, with uh, water. And the water flushes out this tube, and it goes into your stomach, and then, of course, you know, eventually travels off as waste. Um, 
but it's kind of, you know, this tube that kind of hangs out of the side of your body. Gross. <laughs> yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of a bizarre looking little thing. And apparently, eventually, they'll just, I'll just go into the doctor's office and then he'll just remove that. Like, so but it's got, I didn't realize it had this little balloon thing in it, but because it's got like a two-prong thing at the end. One is where you do the flush, and the other one is this, this other weird little contraption, and, and that's when the, the VON nurse said, now you've got to be careful that you don't put the put the flush thing in that one. I know, Chris, I'd be pretty fucking stupid to do that, but, but maybe, maybe there are people who are that stupid. So, uh, yeah. Then like, they had to do things like, uh, while I was in there, they gave me this stuff called heparin. And it, you had to get this little tiny shot in your stomach to keep uh, your blood from clotting. Right. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I guess on the other hand, it's like, it's nice that everybody, you know, we're at the point in history where people have figured this all out on other poor poor suckers <laughs> yeah some other poor suckers where can you and even when they when the staples were in and they went to take the staples out i said jeez oh, i said i'm not gonna even bother looking at that um it wasn't that bad but when they pulled them out but you know you could feel them like pulling them out and it would be like if you had something stuck in a piece of paper right but it didn't they didn't actually cross i don't think they crossed over on the underneath part I think they was just like the top and the two sides, and they went in like that. And every once in a while, when they were pulling them, like you could feel them pull them straight up. And then uh, every once in a while, uh, one would stick, and oh, geez, like. <laughs> Man, yeah, I just like I read a book a little while ago about um, grave robbers back in the day when you know uh, medical students were wanting to dissect cadavers and uh but they weren't getting bodies donated to them yet and uh yeah it's just just what a weird time like people are still just stealing bodies to try to cut them open to just try to figure out how things worked so i mean compared to those days 200 years ago like it's nice that we have such a such a good understanding of how oh and when you guts figure work. that the painkillers that they can that they give you now um I can't imagine what that must have been like in the olden days when they just did those. You know, they might have knocked you out while you were having the operation, but then when you came to, and you would have been, okay, let's say, sewn up with a needle and thread, <laughs> that wouldn't have dissolved. Whereas nowadays, you know, a lot of that, those internal stitches that they do, they just they just dissolve. Yeah, but, and there's... Uh, yeah, you think about that, like, holy... I can't remember who the guy is anymore. I read about him a little while ago, but also like one of the first guys to uh, really convince everybody, and it was like an uphill battle to convince everyone about germs and like how important it was to oh, sterilize equipment. Pasteur. Was Louis it Pasteur that did that? Maybe yeah. it was, yeah. And just like, yeah, you had to do like so much to to like force people because he'd put forward this thing and be like i'm i'm pretty sure i'm right about this and then they'd be like yeah yeah well whatever and just like not listen to them and it's like oh man well and most people in those days it wasn't the surgery that killed them when they were getting their arms and legs cut off it was the infection that came later right and the pain and it was so so painful that people couldn't rest and yeah and then infection would set in and usually that that's what did people in yeah yeah, so I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to, uh, 
you know, keep that stuff in mind when things are crappy in the moment, but it really is true. Like, yeah, things could be a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, and people couldn't eat, and they wouldn't, I mean, nowadays they, they fill those intravenous bags so full of stuff. That's not that, uh, crazy to think about, too, right? That, I mean, human beings in some form or another have been around for, like, what, four million years or five, something like that, and we only have anything resembling, like, these modern niceties of surgery and stuff like the last hundred years <laughs> like yeah. we got pretty lucky and it'll get nothing but uh, better yeah until some crazy super flu kills everybody but until then it's gonna be good <laughs> yeah maybe well, it'll be I... oh sorry go on i was just gonna say i got the, i got the dog whining here she needs to go and have a pee so yeah and i shouldn't keep it too long anyway seeing as you're you're uh, <laughs> in recovery <laughs> All right, well, I'll call you again, I don't know, in a week or two and see what's okay. going on. Well, th- thanks for checking in. I wondered, I knew that Neil said he had sent you uh, sent you an email. I didn't know what he had said to you. Or... Yeah, it was pretty pretty terse, not a lot in it, one sentence or whatever. <laughs> so. But I'm, I'm back in the land of the living, so. Cool. All right, well, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, email those pictures from the Facebook page. I'll just send them to your work email if you happen to be down there, you know, whenever, no hurry. And we'll blab about them next time I'm talking to you. Okay. But yeah, until then, hopefully no relapses and everything is cool. Yes, I'm hoping that too. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Great hearing from you. Yeah. Okay. See Bye-bye. ya. Bye-bye.